0: Hi, this is
1: Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This
0: is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It's May 12th already. I'm Leanne Dolan. Here in Pasadena, California. I'm with my sister Julie Dolan, who is in Dallas, Texas this Tuesday.
1: Hey, Julie, what's happening in Dallas? Hi, Leanne. I'm so glad to be with you. Um, hey, you know, this is uh, my, the final prep before I leave for Machu Picchu. <laughs> I'm really going to Peru, Leanne. You know, this is one of the things that, like, I agreed to do this trip two years ago uh, because I just thought, 2000, May 2015 would never come right? right so I would never have to go on the trip you know, but that's what happens. Didn't you have a year, Leanne, where that was your theme for the year, where you were just going to say yes, say yes to, yes to everything, yeah, to say yes, yes to everything, sure, yeah, followed by a year where you said no, no to, to everything, everything. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's what, but I said yes to Machu Picchu, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know, final prep is is underway, Leanne. And one of the big things that um, uh, I'm traveling with a with a girlfriend, uh, so we're sort of a Thelma and Louise trip that we're taking to Machu Picchu. We do have a 6 hour layover in uh the Lima International Airport. Oh. And um there are no um there are no red carpet clubs or you know lounges um at this or there there might be some kind of lounge but we're not a member of it. So <laughs> so we have to we have 6 hours to kill um at the airport and uh so uh, our choices include um they have um they have uh, some fine dining there. They have a Dunkin' Donuts, so we feel like we could kill at least thirty minutes, right? There. Yeah, yeah. We have some kind of spa uh, where you can get both foot massages and waxing. Do you think we should do do some wow. waxing in the international airport? Some ancient Incan waxing? Yeah, I, I don't. I just, know.
0: But sounds the one good.
1: That, but the one that we we're really not sure about, they also offer something called Spanish showers. Oh, no. what is that? I don't know what those are. So, what do you think that could be? I don't showered with sangria. I don't know. <laughs> Tempranillo? I don't.
0: I don't know. Uh, what I that have means. no
1: idea. I have no idea. I'm curious. Uh, and uh, given that we have limited Spanish, I'm not sure I can <laughs> can understand before I get into it. I mean, see, a foot massage—you only have to take your shoes off, right? It's so I think one. that's a pretty yeah. safe activity. Yeah. But but you know. You know, activities where you have to disrobe—that—that uh, that has me a little worried. But yet, I'm I'm curious about a Spanish shower.
0: Well, to certainly ask about it, because people will want to follow up. <laughs> okay. Certainly ask if you can if you can figure out how to say K S Spanish shower. Figure that out. Thank you, Sister Lynn. You're welcome. That
1: must be that Southern California living that you have really picked. It is. It really
0: quite a bit, quite a bit of Spanish, as you can see. All right. Well, Julie, you know, next week you're going to be gone, but the show will carry on. I'm going to tell you, we are going to have a couple of special guests on the show. Tell people more about that later. Um, we have a full show today. Of course, it's an Atlanta recap. And Julie, if you're like me, you've been saying plant potatoes for the last couple of days, right? I mean, just plant potatoes. That's it,
1: Leanne. Plant potatoes. That really did, that like, that crossed the time dimension, and we'll get into it, right? <laughs> Ooh, it
0: had everything, this episode. Yeah. I thought it was an exceptionally good episode considering our man, Jamie, wasn't even in it. So right. there you have it. Um, also a story from the New York times this week, front page story about nail salons in New York and across the country and what it's like to be an employee of a nail salon. We frequent nail salons. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we have a trend alert. I went to the hipster Rose Bowl flea market this weekend, couple of decorating trends. I want you to be on the alert for Julie. Um, okay. I read, and this is not an oxymoron. A fascinating story about the Disneyland cats this week, this weekend.
1: Well, Lynn, I'm shocked because you usually don't uh, pick up on cat stories. Nope. Or, and you usually, usually don't bring don't. a lot of cat stories to Satellite no. Sisters, not no. being a cat lover yourself.
0: Julie, I found this to be fascinating. So okay. if you enjoy Disney... And you enjoy cats, you're going to enjoy this story. But particularly if you enjoy both Disney and cats. Uh, And speaking of cats, I'm going to follow up on the neighbor's dog. I know people have been wondering (laughs) how my relationship with the neighbor's German Shepherd puppy is going. I'm going to tell you about that. And then, of course, we have Outlander. We've got that going on. But last night, Julie, I had an opportunity in Pasadena to go see our cousin, Dr. Robert Kirshner, speak. So uh, address, address his people in Pasadena. Uh, Bob Kirshner has actually been on our show. He is our our late Aunt Virginia's son. He's the oldest of the Klarman cousins, I believe, the first uh, of the Klarman cousins. Uh, and he's a spectacularly um, successful astrophysicist,
1: <laughs> which yeah. really which is hard to grow up in a family where we yeah. were constantly... Well, you're not as smart as Bobby Kirshner. And right. Bobby Kirchner says this. And, of course, the Kirshners didn't have a television or they weren't allowed to watch TV. And that's where our parents thought that that's why they were so smart is because they didn't watch TV. And the Lazy Dolans, we were lying around watching soap operas and cartoons and therefore not as smart as Bobby Kirchner. Right. So, not that we're bitter, and we're totally over it now. We're totally over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but he is—he has been on Satellite Sisters before. Uh, he is a—he's a, um, a cosmologist. So his area of study for 40 years now has been the origins of the universe. Uh, he is recognized really as one of um, the big minds of astrophysics these days. Uh, his grad students won the Nobel Prize for their work. So that—that <laughs> should—I mean. <laughs> He's just in another sphere in many, many ways. But did you
1: just mention he was a Harv- He's a Harvard professor. He's a Harvard professor.
0: Yeah. Has been yeah. for many years. Did his graduate work at Caltech. Is associated with you know Palomar Observatory and the Hubble Telescope, and now this giant Magellan Telescope they're building as a as a um, you know a co project with Harvard, Caltech, and the Carnegie Observatory. So. Um, And he so he was in town speaking and he promised he emailed the Southern Cal Cousins and he said it's going to be a lecture on the accelerating universe geared towards the general public, which is a nice way of saying our stupider cousins from Connecticut, basically.
1: For the cousins in Connecticut who watch TV... Rather than learn to learn about the universe, <laughs> this was your lecture. Okay, he's good Leon. Yeah,
0: no, he's a very very gracious, very funny guy. So I got and the He fam. wins
1: like Teacher of the Year Award every year. Every too. year. I mean yeah. that's I mean that's that's the other thing. Uh, yeah. about
0: One of his signature classes at Harvard is a freshman seminar in astronomy that's very, very popular. So I feel like if Harvard freshmen could figure it out, I could probably do pretty well with this material. So we went, I got the fam together, open seating, free to the public. Uh, My husband, my father-in-law, and my son Colin and I all went. It said the doors opened at 645, and of course my... You know, well, they're what not doling
1: what, what time were you there? I wanted
0: to be there at 6:46, Julie, but you know, my husband's family does not have that fear of being shut out of things that we do. So by the time we got there at seven, Julie, I think it's fair to say people were pouring into the astronomy lecture, and it was just I, this crowd was not the general public. This crowd was people from Caltech, the Jet Propulsion Lab, and NASA. So I started to get really worried because there was a preponderance of like older men with white hair and full beards and those thick academic shoes, you know, yes. <laughs> shoes,
1: right? With the, with the extra extra cushioning in the soles. Yes. yes. And that was
0: half the crowd. And the other half the crowd was like girls with dragon tattoos. Like that whole Whoa. science punk look. And then there was me. There seemed to be a few members of the general public. I had rallied a few neighbors who I knew were interested in science and this kind of thing to go. Um, but I looked across. We were sitting in our seats. We we got some good seats because, but it did fill. It was packed, absolutely packed, standing room only at this big theater. And um, uh, I looked across and there's Bobby sitting, just sitting in the third row. So I went over and I said hello before the talk, which was good. Oh, cause man. He was...
1: People must have been looking at you wondering, and who is she? Right. Is she a Nobel recipient? <laughs> is she some I'm sure Swedish they were. Cos- uh, cosmologist? <laughs> Cos- cosmetologist
0: is what I am. Uh, that's what they thought. I was a cosmetologist compared to the rest of this crowd. But here's his era- here's what he did. He said, um, "I have forty minutes, so I'm going to give you the history of like four hundred billion years of astrophysics." <laughs> But he actually gave a hundred year history of, uh, the science of astrophysics and how we've come to understand the origins of the universe since Albert Einstein. And Julie, here's what I gleaned from it. Okay. Okay. In 1916, Albert Einstein working on his theory of relativity, they, he thought the universe was a static place, that the galaxy was the whole universe, that was it, and that there were boundaries on our galaxy, but it didn't actually work out with his theory of relativity, with gravity, so he had to inject what he called a cosmological constant to make all of his equations work for a static universe okay so if you're a lost fan your ears have just gone up because you (laughs) heard the word the constant yes losties we that's what we talked about last night now bobby made the point over the course of his 40 minute talk like technology has made his and our lives so much better in terms of understanding our place in the universe. You almost can't even put a timeline on it because things have gotten so much better. The quality of the telescopes, software programs that allow them to sift through mountains and mountains of data, more telescopes, picture taking, all this kind of stuff has made like the, the astronomical leap that they've made in terms of understanding the universe possible. So in the 30s, this Edwin Hubble comes along. And uh, he disputed Einstein's theory that we lived in a static universe, and it turned out to be true. He said, Hubble of the Hubble Telescope, said we live in an expanding universe. So Einstein apparently buried, according to Bob Kirshner, buried his head in his hands and thought, that's my greatest blunder of my career, that we, uh, that there was this thing called the cosmological constant. I totally blew it. But then, you know, fast forward uh, a few decades. Here comes Bob Kirshner and his team at the Hi-Z Supernova Labs. And uh, they figure out by measuring... Here's where I'm going to get vague, Julie.
1: All kinds of things like. I think we should just uh, make sure people know you are listening to the Satellite Sisters. (laughs) I know it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know what my sister's saying, but yes, this is a Satellite Sisters Tuesday podcast. (laughs) Carry on, Liam. Okay,
0: I've lost my train of thought. I hope I can go back. But so it really was our cousin Bobby leading the supernova team that discovered, uh, Based on things like luminosity, they were able to finally measure the distances of the universe. Uh, They took these supernovae that had previously been... Uh, Obviously, you couldn't see with the naked eye or with telescopes, and they only come once every hundred years in a galaxy. And they discovered that there were thousands of galaxies out there based on these superior technologies, and that if they compared and contrasted the photos of what was here yesterday with what was here two days ago, that uh, you could actually discover how big the galaxy was and that it was not only expanding, Julie. Julie but accelerating. So not only is the galaxy expanding, it's getting faster. It's expanding faster. So, um, and then they started to figure out, well, how is that possible? And they identified this uh, to the presence of dark energy. Okay. Dark energy. Right that right then my seventeen year old son, ears perked up. Because he's
1: in now, because that sounds like a really cool concept.
0: Like a comic book, right? Dark energy and dark something
1: that's gonna be in the next Star Wars movie. (laughs) One of the two. Exactly. I mean this
0: is it. Dark energy and dark matter. There's obvious there's this actual matter out there in the universe that is spongy. That's how Bobby described it, but I think it's like cellulite. I think it's like cellulite <laughs> holding the whole universe together, <laughs> keeping gravity in check, while the dark energy is spinning out of control. And Lean, so,
1: I think you're, I think cellulite adding that to our understanding <laughs> that deserves a Nobel Prize. Sponging. Right very, yeah. very spongy. Women know, we, women understand what spongy
0: matter is. We know what that means. <laughs> so uh, in in actually, um, in actually proving it's now sort of accepted theory, it was emerged in the late 90s that the universe was accelerating thanks to this dark energy and it contained this dark matter, matter and now it's accepted science. Uh, what, what Bobby and his team did essentially was prove Einstein right. That there was this cosmological constant. Einstein didn't know what it was. He couldn't identify it, but he had, he thought something was out there and it could be, it's not a hundred percent sure, but it could be this dark energy and this dark matter. So um, it's
1: just amazing that we have any genetic matter (laughs) in our family genome (laughs) that, that it was helping Einstein, (laughs) It helped helped, helped out Einstein, Leanne. That is like... That is incredible information. It is. And not only is there a
0: little of this, most of the universe is made up of dark matter and dark energy. Let me get the, I have an actual screenshot of his presentation, which of course sounds very dry, but he's Bob Kirshner. He's a a Kirshner, so he's a great storyteller. He interjected all these funny slides and funny headlines. And so there were moments, Julie, when he would say things that uh, the other astrophysicists in the quote general audience understood and then it was like the rest of us were on a second seven second delay (laughs) (laughs) then he would explain it in layman's terms and we'd be like oh okay uh but there were also times when he was talking that it was exactly like listening to his dad uncle dick you know such a great storyteller and so i would be the only one in the audience laughing so uh that was me bobby (laughs) but 73 percent of the universe is made up of dark energy another 23% is made up of this cold, dark matter. And 4% is made up of atoms. That's us. We're the 4%. <laughs> We're it. And all those things that we make up the humans, they came from these dying stars billions and billions of years ago. So if you're worried that you weren't in the 1%, you're in the 4%. So don't worry about it. You got it. You got this. So, um, But he was great. It was really fun to listen to him and uh I've, It's funny. I got an email this morning from a friend who did not know I was related to Bob Kirshner. She was there. And she said, wasn't he a great speaker? So smart. The best one I've ever seen. And I was like, that's my cousin Bobby. So, uh <laughs> which... I don't think she believes, but, um, anyway, it was really, it was really fascinating. So I will put a link to his book, The Accelerating Universe, uh, Satellite Sisters. If you're interested in this and there, you can find all kinds of YouTube videos of him because he is, he is kind of a big deal. Uh, but it was really fun to see him and it was really great to be there. And, um, yeah, I, and it was neat. There were just enough kids in the audience. So it was a lot of kids that asked questions afterwards. And then the questions started to get, um, you know, kinda of hard. Once the twelve year old stopped, stopped asking, kinda of hard, Liam? Yeah. There was I I will admit, there were some sections about vacuums in space. I didn't know what was happening when he was talking about that. I did a, quite a bit of nodding, just a lot of nodding during that section. Okay, that's good, Liam. That's but good. That's solid. Yeah. Here, here's yeah. what you need to know. Einstein was right.
1: Okay, Liam. That's, that's good. That's well, what you I think need to sometimes know. to think about those big things, it's bewildering, but it's also like it it sort of takes you away from the day-to-day stuff. You know, that's what, yeah.
0: you know well, it was what I was mean? interesting. Re- he, he, he mentioned he's, he's won every award short of the Nobel Prize and he's. we got to uh, get him a Nobel yeah, Prize. Yeah, let's work on that. Let's, okay, you know, okay. we okay. say We're gonna Friday We're going to give up Toast. Yeah. Toast
1: seems to be fine. Okay. This is our next thing. Robert Dushner Nobel Prize.
0: Okay. But he was a member of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. He was representing astrophysics. And I mean, he is a member, but he was like a. Uh, the head of that at one point. So he said he ended his talk by saying, you know, I've had to go testify in front of Congress, you know, a lot and talk to presidents and senators and things about this. And, you know, they always want to know why should we fund this stuff? And so I'm always lumped in with the people from medicine or the people, you know, who have who are working on scientific research that can benefit um, the defense industry or the commerce industry in some way or medicine in some way. He said, but I always make the point that we should just know who we are and where we came from. Like, there is a value to that and a nobility to pursuing that as, uh, as a point of interest. And so exactly what you said. Just, right, he has worked for decades on this stuff. And you could tell, it sounds like, woo. that was like a fast, you know, recap. But there were entire decades when they were just, like, looking at pictures of stars. You know what I mean? Just tedious, tedious, tedious work. And, uh, you know, which now has resulted in some astonishing findings. But it's just a lot of years of hard work just plugging away and plugging away. So anyway, good work. Well done, family.
1: Okay, (laughs) there we go. Well done. (laughs) An excellent report. Liam. Thank you very much. Uh, Well, back down here on Earthly and, you know, there is uh, there's been a story that's been in The New York Times that, uh, quite frankly, it's it's really it's it's sort of stopped me in my tracks. It's made me do some uh, soul searching. I don't know if you've read it. It's by Sarah Maslinier, and it's a two part series that she did in The New York Times. She took 13 months. And she interviewed uh, 150 different nail salons in New York City because uh, for some reason, New York City has more nail salons than any other metropolitan area um, city in the country. So um, but, you know, we all love nail salons. I think a lot of women enjoy sort of the inexpensive pleasure of going and getting a manicure or a pedicure or a neck massage. And, uh, but she did a real in-depth look at this, um, and she had to use translators, uh, to help her at at a variety of these firm, uh, salons, and the news is not good. Uh, the news is that the, that there is widespread exploitations of the workers that work in the nail salons. Many of them are paid well below minimum wage. Um, they are docked for minor transgressions. They're, you know, it's almost, uh, you know, in some cases they talked to uh, manicurists that were working for $1.50 an hour, and they had to work 66 hours a week. Many, as they start this, come in as probationary workers and would receive no pay for three months. And so they'd be working 50, 60 hours a week and not earning anything. Um, even the tips that you might give your manicurist Um, They, you know, many salons have to, you know, you have to pay back to the salon. And so the take home pay for a lot of these um, employees is is despicable. And and the other thing that added to this you know, that, you know, there's been very little oversight of these nail salons, that, you know, there's also uh, a great fear because many of these people that are working in the salons are immigrants, that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to go to, you know, a city labor department or the U.S. Labor Department to complain about their wages because for fear of retribution, for fear of uh, deportation. And then if that wasn't bad enough, Um, The second part of Sarah Maslin's uh, near story really focused on the amount of illnesses coming out of nail salons, that there is a higher degree of cancer, of miscarriages, of coughs, coughs, skin infection, that the polishes, the solvents, the hardeners and the glues, that this all creates a toxic environment for the workers and nothing is being done to uh, protect them. So it is. If you haven't seen it, we'll post it at Satellite Sisters. um, But it is really soul searching, um, you know, as to you know what to do about this. Uh, It's interesting. Just yesterday, Governor Cuomo uh, of New York ordered an um, emergency measures to protect the workers in nail salons, and he has put together a multi agency task force to look at this to really combat the, you know, the wage theft that's going on and to really try to address the health hazards that are, you know, that are happening in these salons. Um, But you got to stop, you know, stop and think about, you know, your own nail salon and wonder about, you know, the people that are providing you those services and what are they getting paid? So.
0: First of all, it was a really extraordinary piece of journalism because she did spend 13 months on it. She talked to 100 workers speaking a multiple, you know, multitude of languages, and she did incredible follow-up. So just hats off to like real journalism, real yes, investigative journalism, exactly. and not a five-minute piece on the evening news about this. So I think that's why it does make you sort of examine your own behavior because – this is very thoroughly reported, and you know that's why Governor Cuomo could take action because it's all really well documented in the New York Times. So very well done. And secondly, one of the surprising feature findings for me, Julie, was I, in my mind, because um, we have Los Angeles has the second highest number of nail salons per capita. It is a distant second to New York, though they said in the article. Um, but in my mind, the quote nicer salons. I felt like. Those were more reputable in terms of all of their business practices, the ones where you may pay a little bit more, but at least it was, you know, there's some pretty sketchy nail salons out there. There are some nail salons I just walk into and walk out of because they just get a bad feeling. It's hard to pinpoint what it is, but other ones were, oh, you have the the bubbling chairs and, you know, it's brightly painted and there are curtains on the wall, you could kind of say to yourself, well, this looks like, you know, this is a a franchise. They own two or three of these. This must be a good organization. But that was not necessarily true. It isn't necessarily the fancier nail salons that are paying their workers more or treating them any better. So that was astonishing to me. Uh, I've been going to the same salon for like 15 years. A lot of the women still working there for 15 years years. You know, I felt like I, I feel like I was in the right place, but who knows? You really don't know how they're treating people behind the scenes.
1: Right. And then another sort of aspect of this is that there is also what Sarah Maslinier is reporting as sort of an ethnic caste system. That, that was that fascinating. The, that yeah. the Koreans, uh, uh, ethnic Koreans are earning twice as much as their peers. Uh, next on the rung would be the Chinese are doing well, but Hispanics and non-Asians are at the bottom rungs, and they are learning earning the lowest wages, which is which is just amazing. Uh, there is uh, at the uh, New York Times website. There's a Q and A up there about what to do. And, yeah, what
0: what are you supposed to do? Well, now? the recommend- it did make me think. Obviously, yeah, it recommend- should make everyone think. That's the point of good journalism. Should make yeah. you think.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, the recommendation from Sarah is that you should ask your manicurist, you know, are, you know, are, how much are you making? Do you get to keep your tips? If I give you a tip, you know, uh, you know, do you get to keep all of it? That you should, you should find out that information, you know, because that's, that's, that's important. Uh, yeah, because I think you always assume that the manicurist gets to keep their tips. You know, you you always think, well,
0: maybe they're, the owner of this salon is taking two-thirds of the cost of this manicure, but, of course, the 3 or $4 you're giving to the manicurist, you know, they'll get to keep, but not necessarily trip. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so. so many of those women, not only were they not making anything, they had to pay. To be, yes. You know, they had to pay to work there for all these, quote, bogus certificates, like, oh, we're teaching you, you know, how to, I don't know, scrub calluses off, so that'll be $100. No, there's a lot of really bad behavior. It does, yeah. it, you know, and in, in, a, in an unregulated, they said it's very cheap to open a nail salon, and it's a fairly unregulated business, which, again, surprised me because they – they have those things hanging up on the wall. They are, everybody you know?
1: has a license, right? But, uh, but it's not much. And and she said that if you find, if you know of, you know of unfair labor wage and, or labor practices, that that you should report it or encourage the employee to report it to the labor department. I don't know. I think there's going to be more coming out from this because right. it's hard to. I mean, just as you said, this is an excellent piece of journalism. It's hard to read the, these two articles. And not be concerned for the workers at right. nail salons. Everywhere, not just in New York City. Right. So it makes, me, it makes me hope and think that,
0: you know, all over the country, people, not just New York City and the governor of New York, but if you, you know, have businesses like this in your community, that someone's going to take a look at them, a journalist, a news, you know, somebody, a state senator, somebody will take a look and, and see what's happening in your world. Yeah. We, my manicures are Vietnamese. Vietnamese. But I did find that whole caste system um, yeah. interesting. And the, the only thing... The only thing in the article that made me crack a little bit of a smile was that the lowest of the low is to have to manicure men's feet. (laughs) Did you see that? Like they always, they always give, nobody wants to, no one wants to do it. And they always give the new girls that job, which I was like, okay, I get it. But, um, we will post a link to that at satellite com, and let us know what you think you're doing. I think in a lot of, parts of the country. I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, in big cities, we have these $20, $25 mani-pedi shops. Mm-hmm. But I think in smaller towns, they don't. I mean, when you go to other towns, I'm always surprised that the cost of the manicure is so expensive. And it's because they're just run on a different system and maybe a much better system. And maybe- but, or
1: maybe not. That's what, that's what you need to find out. Right, yeah. right. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Julie, you are going to be in Machu Picchu next week, but that yes, doesn't I mean I won't be here behind the microphone on Tuesday. Uh, that's my girl, Leanne. I'm, I'm <laughs> proud of you. What are you
1: going to be t- talking about next week? Leanne? You know, we're
0: starting, we're just springing right into our best beach bag book series. Uh, I love talking to authors about their work. You can find, um, word, write interviews that we've done up on the website. Um, but I'm starting right in. I just finished two really fun books, very different books. Uh, but I thought, I, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and start talking to some authors while Julie's climbing Machu Picchu. So next week, I'm going to have Elisa Friedland on. Her book is called Love and Miscommunication. Um, it just came out. It's in paperback. It's a good, fun rom-com, but I think it's a good, fun rom-com for millennials. And it's about um, our internet addiction and how it can interfere with our lives and our work and our love lives. So it's a timely topic, I think, you know, if you find yourself comparing your life to other people on Facebook and getting increasingly depressed, this will be a good conversation with Elisa Friedland. So she's going to be on. And then I'm going to talk to Eleni Gage, who is a well-known travel writer and the author of several, um, several memoirs. And she is the wedding editor at Martha Stewart Weddings. Uh But she has written a beautiful novel called The Ladies of Managua. And it's just one of those books that absolutely takes you to a different place and time. So it starts in Nicaragua and then we go to New Orleans in the 1950s and it's lush and it's evocative. And I'm really looking forward to talking to her too. And her book comes out. Yeah, yeah. Her book comes out this week in hardback. So I will put um, both of these books up on the Facebook page and at SatelliteSisters.com. If you want to get a jump start and read the books before I talk to the authors, you can do that. But we're just kicking off our Best Beach Bag Book series. So, you know, go enjoy yourself in Machu Picchu. I'll be working here.
1: Okay, Leanne. That's the spirit.
0: (laughs) All right. Oh, Julie, you said it before. I don't really talk a lot about cats
1: no you <laughs> on don't on the show and not in a positive way either when they're <laughs> mentioned you're usually
0: disparaging cats well you know it's just we're a dog family and we all have many of us Dolans have serious allergies to cats so mm. it's just if you've never gotten close to a cat in your life it's hard to get close to a cat if you know what you know and it's hard to understand cats if you've never had any one-on-one experience with cats but I saw a story in this week's LA Times that just delighted me for many reasons first of all it was about the cats of Disneyland in Anaheim California now you probably don't know this Julie but they have their own Twitter account uh no. Why? Follow away, cats of Disneyland. <laughs> okay. But here's the funny thing. You know, if you've ever been to a Disney park, you know, it is absolutely scrubbed clean morning, noon, and night. Spotless. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's, uh, that's why you go there because it's another <laughs> world. Because it's, it's better.
0: Because it's better than the real world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's a fantasy, it's a theme park, you can step inside and everything is perfect, like you never even see a blade of grass out of place. And it's all sort of done magically at night, you know, or you don't even notice that people are picking up or cleaning up. And so when anything is sort of out of out of the ordinary at Disney, it may draw your attention. And apparently Disney very quietly because Walt was a fan has allowed feral cats to take up residence in their parks without um destroying them basically you, like they didn't do everything they else. They have
1: feral cats at Disneyland?
0: Yes. Now they they the the company would not speak on the record about the cats or who cares for them or you know who feeds them. Uh But there were a couple of nods and knowing glances from employees that there's a secret squad of Disney employees. And this is the best part, Disney fans that feed the cats. And this is why I love this story. Like, there's so many Disney fans out there. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that have the annual passes. If you live near a Disney park, you can get an annual pass. And there are people that go to Disney every day. Every week, they'll go and they just love it there. And that's a big part of their life. And so apparently... People began noticing these cats. They kind of, you know, they're cats. So they're not like running. They're not dogs. Okay. They don't want to greet people and be pet. They're like hiding in, you know, the, they're hiding in space mountain and you don't know that they're there. So uh, there are people who've come to care for these cats now. They said, we've been coming every day for 30 years. We just started to notice these cats. And they come in, Julie, and they secretly feed the cats. They'll, like, have cat food in their backpacks. And they...
1: Oh, Leanne, you're ruining it. No, so now there's like I like it. There's, food, no, all no,
0: the it's Disneyland just, it just it's not gross. It's not, think about it. It's, they call it a cat colony, which if there's two more disturbing words in the English language, I don't know what it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Disney's cat colony. <laughs> so. Do you think it's so they to eat the mice and the rats? Yes. That would fit Disneyland? Is yes. That why they keep them That's
0: why they let them live. But Uh, they don't uh, want to talk about it, you know, and they they don't want to
1: have a rat problem there. Yeah, uh, they they would problem.
0: Yeah. Uh. There's a lot of food around and a lot of kids and people leaving. And who wouldn't if you're a rat, wouldn't you want to live at Disneyland? That's a good place to live. But the same is true if you're a cat. So I love these secret squads this whole subgenre of Disney fans there are people quoted in the article they just go in to look for the cats now they'll spend like three hours waiting to glance the cat who li- who lives you know uh, near Pirates of the Caribbean and this so those uh,
1: are extreme Disney <laughs> these are like, extreme. That's, as they, you that's what I
0: mean that's what I love about it. It's not so much the cats, it's the cat people. I mean, that is a niche interest that you're at a giant yes, theme is. park and you're just sitting there by Pirates of the Caribbean waiting for
1: Buford, the cat, like they've named all these cats. They've they given probably them. have a convention too, don't they? I'm sure. They get together like at Comic-Con or something or in somewhere in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe green Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, oh my gosh, it's just I just thought this is the best story I've ever seen. Like this is a great animated film, The Cats of Disneyland. It's just great. And then the blog, The Cats of Disneyland. It's that's what it is. Disneylandcats.com. It's all these really poor amateur photos. <laughs> just, <I> was- <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> cats like in the distance that you can barely see you know cats in the trees or cats on rocks oh it's just cats from like 2 miles away here's hector for instance near one of the ticket stands but hector is like a centimeter big in the photo oh, i just love it anyway if you're into disney or you're into cats um I will post this
1: article for you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. (laughs) Uh, It seems like there's a lot of dedication and hard work going on there, Leanne. It is. Same dedication and hard work that our cousin Bobby is using to get, to earn a Nobel prize. So I guess if these people, this is their particular interest. Uh, let them have it. Yes, there you go. There you go, Julie. There you go.
0: All right. And speaking of cats, I wanted to give you an update on uh, the dog next door. (laughs)
1: Because I know
0: people who have been following along with Satellite Sisters want to know how is it going with Maverick. Mm -hmm. So I explained I'm a German Shepherd owner for many years. I lost my German Shepherd Mia at Christmas and I miss her a lot and I feel terrible that I don't have a dog to walk and play with anymore. I just miss her. And at the same time, I... (laughs) I am sort of enjoying the freedom of not having a dog. I'm not ready to commit to another dog and certainly not another puppy. So imagine my surprise and delight when the neighbors next door announced they were getting a German Shepherd puppy named Maverick. So Maverick came to us from uh, Pennsylvania, where uh, my neighbor is from. And Julie, I have to say, this is the best arrangement ever. Really? I am just Maverick's furry godmother, and I... They work all day, so I go over and I walk him during the middle of the day. I play with him. Now I just have him come over and keep me company for an hour oh, or two. Oh,
1: <laughs> man, that's nice. And you're working with him on the skateboard, too, working, aren't you? Teaching?
0: Julie, he is well, he's a German shepherd, so he's smart. So oh. we are already working on quite a few things. He really, there's a platform he likes to sit up on. He's good with the sit, the stay, the come. He actually plays fetch, which is unusual. A lot of German shepherds have no no business. They just don't care about fetch. It seems kind of stupid because it is. Uh, and, but he likes it. And so I'm getting him, he likes to leap up on things and then sit on top of them, which I think is a good skill. That
1: seems so, like a, that's a subduing. Yeah. That's yeah. a good,
0: yeah. And then he's getting really good on the leash. He just is just adorable. And I don't have any of the mess, Julie. I don't have any of the stress. I don't get up at 5 a.m. He's not tearing apart my house. It's just a hundred percent Positive relationship. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this.
1: It's sort of like being a grandparent, land that's, It's exactly that's, it's,
0: like that, Julie, yeah, I think. Yeah. This is what it must be like, right?
1: All all the good stuff. You yeah. Just, 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 just pour on the love, and then you walk away. <laughs>
0: that's it. And as his owner's like, he loves you so much more than he loves us. I was like, <laughs> well... <laughs> That was my plan. No, but I said, you know, in an emergency, he would save you first because you're the ones that feed him regularly. He's your dog. But yeah, he's happy to see me. He's home alone all day. I show up. I walk him. He loves, they don't have a lot of grass in their backyard. So he comes to my house and we run around. I I just love having a dog again for like an hour a day. (laughs) It's just absolutely perfect. But I do have one question for all our dog experts out there. Kyra, if you're listening, Kyra Sundance, who trains dogs. He does have a fascination with cars on our walk. He lunges for them. And, uh, you know, he's a big, strong dog now. He's going to be bigger. He's already at about five months old. He's about 60 pounds. He just is, he's built, he's super solid. And so Kyra, I've tried distracting him. I've tried, you know, yanking, you know, pulling on him if you have any tips for how to get him less interested in cars uh that would be helpful because you just you just have to watch him all the time I, sometimes I make him sit sometimes i distract him with food it's hard to find any information on that so if anyone has any tips on how to get him less interested in cars and more focused on our walk that would be great because um he's a big dog so
1: okay but Liam, there I'll you keep go up the good work well. with maverick
0: okay? it's all going well Uh, Oh, and I had a couple, what, two Tuesday trends. Also, speaking of dogs. Okay, went to the Rose Bowl flea market this Mm -hmm. weekend for Mother's Day. That was a fun thing to do. Went down there. And it's always a scene at this giant flea market. And, you know, even though it's a flea market, you you pay a little bit to get in. And you always see celebrities. And there are people there in limos. And there's everything from people who just sell, you know, old T-shirts and blue jeans to people selling genuine antiques and things like that. It's a fun flea market. It is a fun flea market. it's great people watching you know there's people like us who just show up in t-shirts and shorts but then there are people who look like they've been clubbing all night in hollywood and they're there (laughs) There are girls like get up wearing a lot of layers hats and flowy things and it's just a scene it's a total scene so a couple of trends i wanted to point out the first is um You know, who's making a giant comeback, Julie? And I know Satellite Sisters fans will be happy about this. Snoopy. Snoopy is making a huge comeback. I mean, I cannot tell you how many booths had Snoopy paraphernalia. (laughs) Old stuff, new stuff. Uh, You know, I'm a Snoopy fan. Uh, Sheila. Sheila,
1: that's her, that's her password. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, and there is a Snoopy live action or new animated feature coming out in, uh, I think at Christmas time this year, like the first full length Snoopy feature in a long time, but Snoopy on the comeback. So if you have, uh, we saw Snoopy telephones and Snoopy lunch boxes and Snoopy this and Snoopy that Snoopy figurines. So if you have any Snoopy stuff around, now's your moment. (laughs) Really? Enjoy it.
1: Enjoy the Snoopy Snoopy stuff. was a very solid dog. Very totally solid. solid. Totally yeah. solid. Yeah.
0: I mean, no one doesn't like Snoopy. Right. There's right? nothing
1: not to like right. about Right. It's not like Snoopy. Garfield. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, Liam. <Lane. laughs> Okay. Now you're back to your cat head. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> just, you were doing so well. You were so know, positive sorry. there, Leanne. you can't. You can't do it for long. Okay. okay. All right. And then the other
0: trend, last time I went a couple months ago, all the furniture was painted turquoise. You know, mm-hmm. they just took all these old things and painted it turquoise blue and, and you know, said it was uh, antique. Well, now everything is painted like a gray blue. A-
1: Gray. So, everything's gray. Gray, yeah.
0: yeah. Everything's yeah. like a gray-blue. So there you go. Those are my, my two big trends. Other things, I saw a lot of bird cages. Uh, that's Ooh. making a comeback. I don't know why. Uh, there were a lot of um, flags Huge amounts of
1: flags. Like American flags or just all-, all kinds of
0: flags. Uh California flags, American flags, country flags from all over. Some of them were clearly antiques, others were were antique. They were new flags made to look old. So a lot of a lot of booths selling that and a lot of booths selling African textiles and African beads.
1: So. <laughs> I just wouldn't know how you would no. put all that together in I one knew. room I snoopy knew. the african textiles the flags the blue gray furniture i don't get it and but, the bird but cages. go ahead you should try and the bird cages <laughs> but go ahead and try it oh, okay try it at home diy <laughs> and let us know uh, and send us a picture
0: <laughs> i <laughs> don't the, the be the tables of the african beads there must have been 10 stalls selling those big ropes of african like beads those. yeah but like what do you do with those I mean, I like well, them you too, wear them. But you wear them. Oh, okay. Because some of them are giant beads. So yeah. I don't, <laughs> I just didn't know. Uh, there's a lot of African beads there. So, okay. All right. There you go. There's my trend report. Uh, Julie, we're about to segue to Outlander. you have anything else going on? You're, you're well, I did
1: want to mention one food trend, Leanne. Oh, just good. It popped my mind, but I think it's something, I it's just, this was the headline in the local paper, you know, so here in Dallas is Olive Garden is going to debut breadstick sandwiches that come with a side of endless breadsticks. <laughs> uh, <what>? Ow! Ow! <laughs> uh, I just that was something, right? So when you order your chicken parm breadstick sandwich, you get an endless <laughs> side of a bread, of breadsticks. With so that. You can have a breadstick
0: sandwich if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow hmm, that's a lot of bread well that yeah that is
1: that's exactly it let's that's keep right.
0: our eyes on that one see if that
1: okay okay
0: <laughs> keep our eyes on that one and then I did appreciate that we had someone I should look this up this just popped into my head on the Facebook page mentioned that they would like us to do the same kind of food advocacy that we did for toast for cucumbers and I love cucumbers. And then yes. she cited all the benefits of cucumbers. But Julie, you mentioned the other day that cucumber water, not a fan, but you like other aspects of cucumbers, yes, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I just do Because you make that great tzatziki I've had at your house with yes. the cucumbers. Yes. I... Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to keep my eye out for some cucumber recipes and I'm going to incorporate some cucumbers into my, into my life and then we'll let you know how that goes. Because <laughs> I like cucumbers. I, I do I eat at least one cucumber a week. But uh <laughs> just thank <laughs>
1: you the if cares. Oh. for sharing. With
0: side of cucumbers. Cucumber sandwich with a side of cucumbers.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. All right. Oh. We have to go on to outline your later Whew. We do. This, this was, I think, maybe the best episode of the season, don't you think?
0: Okay, we are deep into the second half of the first season on Outlander. This is our weekly recap, Sister Sassnatch. Uh, this episode was called The Search. And it, uh, there are many people who actually listen to our recap, Julie, who don't watch the show. So <laughs> that, that, first of all, good for you. We appreciate okay. that. Thank you so much. That is really uh, a testament to... Um, That you have nothing else to listen to. So uh, thank you. We appreciate it. But um, this one was great. It had everything but Jamie in it. But Mm -hmm. it still had sort of a surprising uh, storyline, a narrative that just kept moving forward, some great moments. And it was just really kind of a feminist statement, didn't you think? I just thought the whole whole episode was sort of surprisingly feminist statement about like – Women doing it for themselves. I thought it yep. was fantastic.
1: Well, I mean, to start off with, Jamie, who's Claire's husband, he's missing. So I I really felt Claire was shaming all women because you really had to ask yourself, would you be willing to go rescue your mate from the British? Leon? would you? I would kept
0: you? thinking, no, I kept thinking now's the time to go back to the stones and go back to the indoor plumbing. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> I know he's
0: cute. But, but even if
1: your husband, if he was captured by the British... <laughs> Yeah, would know. you try to rescue him? I think I'd call the authorities. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't think, think I would I don't think I would take on a rescue of my mate. Particularly when I'm at a two or three hundred year deficit in terms of like tools and stuff. So Claire really put it out there. She really set a very high bar for for that. But you have to say, Jenny is the man, right? Yeah. Jenny Jenny's... is the man. Woo! Okay. Yeah,
0: okay. So in this episode, The Search, Claire decides she's getting on her horse. She's going to go after Jamie. And uh, the brother-in-law can't come. He's injured. He can't be helpful. Uh, so he draws a map. So thanks, buddy. That's
1: helpful. And who shows oh, up? Leon, you shouldn't be mean. He, only... <laughs> he lost, he didn't have a leg. He lost his peg leg, Leanne. Okay. What else is he going to do? I'm just. I'm just okay. saying. I'll
0: draw All you right. a map. Okay. I mean, okay. come on. Okay. So he offers up the map. Claire gets on the horse with the map and who's on the horse next to her? New mom, Jenny. Jenny, who's just given birth like 72 hours beforehand. She's going with Claire, uh, to find her brother, Jamie. And these two set off Thelma and Louise and, uh, I have to tell you, Julie, I think we missed a huge part of our education at summer camp that we did not learn to track people. Okay.
1: Not, I know. But <laughs> I mean, Jenny, can you believe that? Because the number one thing you want to do after you have pushed a seven or eight pound baby out of yourself is to jump on a giant <laughs> stallion and gallop away. I know. But Jenny just did that. Okay. And she didn't stop there, Leanne. She was turning over those dead bodies, looking for Jamie. I know. And they had like birds picking at the eyes and that she didn't stop. And then she was praying over their souls. I mean, Jenny was the man. She was doing everything, but you're right. The tracking, she's picking up manure and she's like, you know, smelling it and just like smelling it, checking the temperature. Is amazing. Amazing. Again, if you're a lostie, you'll know that Kate also
0: is a tracker. And so this is just apparently, if you have a daughter out there, teach her how to track. Because that means she's going to be a cool girl who can really go on to take care of herself. I mean, we
1: we learned how to do tie knots at summer camp. Why don't we learn to track? We could have been much cooler. That would have been helpful. And, of course, then we came to what I refer to as the La Leche League Lollapalooza (laughs) scene. Mm -hmm. Because... I Want wanted,
0: again, I wanted so much for Madonna's "Express Yourself" just
1: to come, uh, come under just out of nowhere. That's all I could think of. Okay, because Jenny, the man, the new mom, right? She also she is now bursting because uh, she she has to express some breast milk. Okay, and they have a scene of her expressing uh, breast milk that was just mesmerizingly. It and was. She I was, don't think I've ever seen breast milk expressed uh, like that on uh, anywhere. Have you? No, and she was into a pewter cup, and and just the stream was strong, and it was arcing into the cup, and I kept thinking she is going to drink that. Oh she yeah, I thought she was... She, think she was. Yeah. I thought she was. Yeah, but that would have been good if she poured
0: a little whiskey in the cup and then just just, just <laughs> shot it like you know breast
1: milk and whiskey, just shot it down. I, but how did they do that in uh, in movie know. Magic Land? How did they make? the breasts flow like that
0: it How was so real i thought maybe she was pregnant maybe she was actually
1: expressing maybe she was actually you know had just a had nursing, a baby a yeah nursing mom okay we have to get to the bottom of that because i mean there are there are just there are multiple shots of this uh and i've watched it twice now and i just i thought i i just couldn't see if she had some you know fake boob on or, I, I just couldn't see it so uh this was this was incredible and it, it was reported, I hope it's on the internet, I don't know if it's true, and that Canadian TV blocked it out. Did you hear this? That's they, a, Someone on our Facebook page they said. Facebook said, I hope that's true, you know, because I believe everything that's on the internet <laughs> has, has been established. So apparently Canadian TV blocked out the La Leche League Lollapalooza <laughs> scene and... Uh, uh, and people were upset about that. Yeah. Cause. That is a crying shame. Cause I thought that was great. As with everything, you know,
0: we've discussed this on outlander. They do not shy away from functions of the body. Okay. They just don't, you see a lot of the body and you see a lot of the body doing what the body does and there's no judgment. And what I loved about Jenny, she's like, she's got the pewter cup. She's expressing the milk and she's talking the whole time. <laughs> I know She's like,
1: Oh yeah, yeah, like yakking away. Yeah. Claire's eyes are about to fall out. You know, there. They're like popping
0: she out. yeah. <laughs> she's just she's just going
1: full Scottish, just talking, pumping, strategizing, you know. <laughs> okay, but Jenny the man did not stop there. No there because they now because of her successful tracking. They they find a British courier, right, Lynn, and uh, and they start torturing him. That's what I love. Okay, Jenny's the man. She is she is going to get this information out. To find out where Jamie has been taken or why he's not uh, with the other captured prisoner. Right. They tie him to a log. They both got guns
0: on him and they are torturing him. She starts to take off his boot and then she does. And I think, oh, she's going to burn his boot. She's a mean girl. But no, she takes a hot poker and she brands the bottom of his feet for torture to get the information out of him. And the poor guy is just yelling, I'm the courier. I'm the courier. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't brand the messenger. And so uh, Claire, who's horrified at the whole thing, her British sensibilities will not allow her to do this. But Jenny's a Highlander. She doesn't care. And uh, they find a letter. In his courier bag that uh, declares that the British troops there in Scotland have lost the, uh, have lost the trail of Jamie and they're turning over the search to uh, the guys at Fort McWilliam, whatever is that fort. Yeah, whatever. Where Blackjack is. So, uh, and... And Thelma and Louise, Jenny and Claire reason that if they never get this letter, they won't ever go look for Jamie. They won't know that he's been lost. And so that seems all well and good. And then Claire's about to bandage him up and, uh, you know, send him on his way. And Jenny's like, we got to kill him. Are you kidding me? We got to kill him. And, uh, Claire's horrified and Jenny's going to do it. And then our friend Murtaugh comes along and kills him on their behalf. So, and he had a great episode, Murtaugh, who we later find out. Was it clear to you, is he Jamie's father or
1: is he just, I I think so too. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Again, you have to, I have not been using the closed captions. I may go back and listen to it a third time, but I think that's what he was saying. There was a lot of hugging and kissing and crying when he reveals that. Yes. But Murtaugh is there uh, and he is, uh, he is really a defender. So, that frees up Jenny. She's now able to go back to leave Claire with uh, Murtog because he's going to help her. And uh, Jenny's going to head back home, uh, but not before uh, she gets some key advice from Claire, right? <laughs> and Claire looks
0: at her and says, Jenny, plant potatoes, plant potatoes. And Jenny doesn't flinch. She said, Jamie said you might be telling me something that I should listen to whatever you have to say. And Claire fills her in. There's going to be a terrible famine, there's going to be a war. Sell off your nonproductive property for gold and plant potatoes. And even though there are no potatoes in the Highland, there are only potatoes in Edinburgh, Jenny is going to go get some potatoes. It's clear she and Claire have bonded. You know, they've had this experience and Jenny is going to plant potatoes and she's going to be okay, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was it. And and Jenny's advice to Claire is to put the knife into her garter and never take it off even when she sleeps. So <laughs> okay. That was good because, you know, they just – they have to have knives and guns, and and then she got back on her stallion and she galloped away, Leon. <laughs> no, to that up. one-legged husband. I mean, it's a good thing
0: he married the right gal. She is yeah. going to be able to take care of Lollybrook in everyone's absence when the big famine comes. So then Murtaugh and Claire embark on what can only be described as the most bizarre roadshow ever. So their plan is not to go hunt for Jamie in every nook and cranny in the Highlands because that's too hard to do, a fool's errand. Their plan is to draw Jamie out, to call attention to themselves as like wandering minstrels and gypsies and fortune tellers, and uh, and then Jamie will come find them. He'll hear of them and come find them. So long story short, uh, the original configuration is Claire is telling fortunes and Murtaugh is singing and dancing. And they're both equally as bad at their jobs as that. So they switch it up and Claire becomes the singing sassnatch. She, <laughs> she, she writes a song <laughs> using... Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your tricorns if you didn't watch the episode. She uses the rhythm of the boogie-woogie bugle boy of Company B, but she makes it kind of naughty and Scottish.
1: <laughs> and then she that sings like, and dances. was like boogie-woogie, what the heck? I mean, that thing was so mind-bending. And to go along with it, she was dressed in this sort of dirty Lord Fauntleroy outfit, you know? Just... I mean, a
0: very low standard of entertainment there in Scotland. Now, now it made me reason, think, Julie, really, yeah,
1: Scottish idol flunkies. <laughs> I mean, they were just horrible.
0: But the ruse works, or they think, because they are told that a Scotsman, a big strapping Scotsman wants to meet them. And they are told that and they go running to this, you know, uh, this falling down house. And of course, it's not Jamie, it's. Dougal Mackenzie back on the scene, scheming Uncle Scar. I mean, really, it's like.
1: And... It was a big disappointment to see. Yeah, because they—that yeah. was every place they went in Scotland. They those were there. The two words to describe Jamie. Tall and strapping. <laughs> Have you seen the strapping man? Not that. Not the tall one. The strapping man, right? They just kept repeating that. But there they were with Dougal. So.
0: And she- Dougal informs them that Jamie has been captured. He's in, he's in the prison. He's been on trial. They're just about to hang him. He's about to lose his life. So, you know, Claire, why don't you just stick around and marry me? Because I think that'll be good. <laughs> I mean, really, the body is not even cold yet. And he is already... On Claire, like a like a fly on a dead man, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's a long, cold winter in Scotland. <laughs> He's in that drafty place. I guess, he, you know, she's, he wants her. That's yeah, he it. does. He's
0: made that clear before uh, several times. And the dream is not dead for Dougal, but Claire agrees she's she realizes that she may have to just agree to this to get out and try to save Jamie also that really if Jamie is dead she is kind of in trouble with no protection although she's got Murtaugh so she didn't really have to do that but and she's, she's got this
1: jazzy little song she's number, got the jazzy
0: sexy Scottish naughty song the naughty song <laughs> boogie woogie bugle boy of company C. that hurt my mind Leon, when she was <laughs> singing that Okay. Just so unexpected. Like (laughs) I did not expect that. So, so, uh, Jamie I mean so Claire and Murtaugh set off and they try to get Jamie's old gang back together so that uh his clansmen so that they can all go storm the fort, Fort McHenry or whatever it is, together and save Jamie's lives. And that gets pretty cold reception, but uh the the clansmen are shamed into it by the youngish clansman who says I'll go and off they go, riding on into the distance, Claire and uh all the Highlanders to save Jamie. So yeah. It was a beautiful episode. A lot of there good was a lot of galloping
1: yeah. in the highlands. Yeah. Beautiful scenes of the countryside, these gorgeous horses. Uh, even at one point, you see the sea. I mean, it, it was real. That was very satisfying all the way around. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I am looking forward to next week. Julie won't be here. So we're going to wait. I think we have two more episodes, right? Yes. Okay. So we can do when you're back from Machu Picchu, we can do both next week's episode and the finale together okay. in one sister sash but it's going to be hard to top that just for <laughs> pure entertainment
1: value. That last one, that was fantastic. It's, it was, it was really good. So if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's not too late to just jump in. <laughs> Cause,
0: 'Cause it's still astonishing. I mean <laughs> right. The express yourself. I mean, my God, that's it. The first lactivists, Claire and Jenny. I mean, yeah, God I bless know. them. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> All right. Uh, we always love your comments at SatelliteSisters.com or on our Facebook page or at the group. Uh, if you'd like to join our Facebook group, it's open. Just uh, just ask to join and we'll check you out and then we'll approve you. As long as you're not a bot, um, we will do that. <laughs> uh, you can find us at Satsisters on Twitter and then we each have our own accounts. I'm Leanne Dolan. You're Julie Dolan Smith. And Liz is SSLiz, at SSLiz.
1: Is. so uh okay so julie when do you leave thursday uh, thursday heading out land so uh, you have fun with those authors i look forward to hearing the podcast you and know who
0: i'm also going to have fun with i'm going to have fun with your son your daughter-in-law and your granddaughter josephine who I are know they're coming, coming to, to stay you. at my house uh on saturday for a couple of days so i'm looking forward to that You know, it's going to be hard to give up Maverick for a while. I
1: I, I hope, I hope you can fit fit in a human being, a beautiful baby child, uh, given your Maverick schedule there. (laughs) Well, the good news
0: is the people with the dog, they also have all their baby gear. So I'm oh. getting, I'm borrowing the gear from them. So uh, I think we're going to be fully outfitted. So I'm looking forward to meeting Josephine and uh, and doing that while they're here, entertaining them. All right. Have a safe trip.
1: I will. I will. And a uh, full report on Spanish showers. Okay. okay.
0: Excellent. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget. Call your Satellite Sister.